0: on this week's episode of Power of the Towel for the next Misconduct Network. The Canucks did it. They beat the St. Louis Blues, the defending Stanley Cup champions, in six games. They now play the Vegas Golden Knights, and unfortunately, early on, it looks like the Vegas Golden Knights are a lot better team than the St. Louis Blues. We get into how did the Canucks pull it off when last time we recorded a Power of the Towel episode. It looks like the Canucks We're going to crumble it away to the St. Louis Blues after blowing a 2-0 lead. What the hell has to go right to beat the Vegas Golden Knights? And our guest this week is none other than Rick Scoops. Dollywall from TSN 1040 should be a good one.
1: Holland
0: You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. He's not a person at all. He's a towel. You're a towel. But in Vancouver, mainly it's all about towel power. Are you ready? What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Power of the Towel for the Nexus Conduct Network. I am your host, Nick Bondi. Before you go any further, as I usually say, subscribe to the Next Misconduct Network wherever you get podcasts: Apple, Spotify. Those are the only two podcasting platforms I know. I don't know anyone else who uses anything other than those two. But if you use something else, we're on there as well. You get this show, of course, Power of the Towel, hosted by myself, Nick Bondi. You get Sipping on a Forty, hosted by Kyle Bowen. Although the last one. Was hosted by myself, Nick Bondi, for Power of the Tau. I talked to Bick Nazar of Sports at 650 right after the Golden Knights Canucks. Game one, we'll get into that game later on in the episode. But Sip It On 40 is usually with myself and Kyle Bound. Kyle Bound is the host. It is his show. And we have a brand new episode after every Canucks game, Canucks post game. It's been fun. And hopefully we have a few more of them to do. The Quickie, of course, is on the network. Fastest Hockey Show, daily Fastest Hockey Show, out there with Trevor Beggs, the boss, and Silky and Filthy, Puck talking Bullshit, Trevor Beggs and Kyle Bowen, talking all things Puck, talk, and bullshit, of course. And that is coming back this week. Believe the episode's coming back on Thursday. Trevor Beggs will be back in town. Should be a good time, and there should be plenty, plenty to talk about. Okay. So, the last time we recorded a proper Power of the Towel episode, it was right before Game 4. Canucks lost a tough OT game to the St. Louis Blues. We were pumped up for Game 4. And they had that was the worst game of the series. That game that, just, that happened right after. The Game 4 against the St. Louis Blues. Ryan O'Reilly dominated. The Canucks couldn't really get anything going. And it looked like yeah, it really looked like the St. Louis Blues were going to win this, game, this series in six or seven games. It, w- it was depressing. It was it's a reminder to never get too high or too low in the playoffs. There's always the next game you can bounce back and correct things because the next game, game five, the swing game of the series, I think Travis Green pulled off a master class performance. Look, it's well-documented from people like Friends of the Show, Thomas Trance, and Harmon Dial of The Athletic. Go check that stuff out. And, of course, check out our website as well. But the article I read from Thomas Trance of The Athletic just showed how well Travis Green did coaching Game 5. He hit his lineups sort of in warm-up and then switched them around throughout the game. He figured out how to neutralize Ryan O'Reilly in Game Five and even really in Game Six. Now, Travis Green, I've long said I wasn't too sure what to think of him. In my opinion, with coaches, and this goes for NHL coaches, but for coaches in general, whether that's you know NFL, NBA, I don't know really anything about MLB because they're called managers or whatever. But well, there are coaches out there that take you from A to B, and take and coaches that take you from B to C. I firmly believe that with coaches in sports. There are coaches that can teach you how to win, but maybe don't have that gear to become a Stanley Cup contender in hockey. And there are coaches that you bring in that can just put it all together and win you Stanley Cups. Mike Sullivan seems like a guy for Pittsburgh. He's a the guy they brought in. He's a B2C coach. He taught those guys what it took, how to play, to win with that lineup. He won two straight Stanley Cups. Pittsburgh did it earlier with Dan Bilesma, right? Think of uh, Joel Quenville, right? He took over for Denny Savard with the Blackhawks on three Stanley Cups. There are coaches that take you from A to B and B to C. I wasn't sure what Travis Green is, but he might be one of those rares A to B to C coaches who can teach this team how to win a Stanley Cup, because I thought how he hit his lineups and how he switched around his lineup for Game 5 was brilliant. I think that's cemented. He's an above-average NHL coach. Any talk of getting rid of Travis Green, Travis Green's got a job here for the next two to three seasons, regardless of what happens in this Vegas series, which, of course, we'll get to later. But again, he figured out how to neutralize Ryan O'Reilly, and that was the big question heading into Game 5. Like, what the hell do you do with this guy? He was terrorizing the St. Louis Sorry, he was terrorizing the Vancouver Canucks. Of course, game five, the tater-top-mott game. Undressed. Alex Petrangelo, again, he had a broken stick. Who cares? It's tater-top-mott. Elliot Friedman improved. If you don't believe me, go to Elliot Friedman's profile. Look what he liked. Tater-top-mott. Yeah, that's what we're calling him. And that is a next misconduct nickname. Don't you ever forget it. Tater Top Mott, that's what we're calling him. He had a great game five and a great game six as well. Four goals in two games. I know that's maybe not one of the main reasons why they won. It's one of the main reasons. It's not a main reason. The Tater Tot Mott, four goals in two games. The bottom six played pretty well. Antoine Roussel got a goal in game six. That's what they needed. They needed that bottom six to take the pressure a bit. Off those top six guys, those big guns who the Canucks needed to score. Of course, Bennington came in in game six. He was absolute trash. Jordan Bennington. I don't know where that guy goes from there. I guess he won you a cup. That's why you give him a show-me deal like that, a bridge deal. Because you don't know what he's going to do next year, but he was terrible. Thank God Craig Berube decided to play Jordan Bennington for whatever reason. Who the hell knows? I guess he wanted to show loyalty to that group, to the guy that got him there. The man, Jordan Binning. But hey, why are we talking about Jordan and Where does he go from here? That's not a St. Louis Blues podcast. Jordan Binning was trash. Bomb six played well. Great performances from those top six forwards as well, especially in game six. That goal Troy Stetschard scored were Quinn Hughes, Leas Pettersson, spinning around, dangling the puck. It was awesome to watch. 4 nothing, and the game was over from there. Now, what happened in that St. Louis Blues series from Game 5 to Game 6? The power play played well. Bottom 6 played well. And, of course, they got some good balances with Jordan Benning being the lineup. But the St. Louis Blues, I said it before the series, they didn't look like they wanted to be there. They won their cup last year. They wanted to get the hell out of there, maybe, and go home. You're not going to have that. We'll not have that problem with Las Vegas. Las Vegas looks like they are ready and raring to go against this Vancouver Canucks team. But the Canucks beat the St. Louis Blues in six games. And I think it's cemented that Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes can beat Brock Besser and Bo Horvat and even JT Miller because he's going to be here for a few more years on a really good team-friendly deal. These guys are the future of the Vancouver Canucks. This is the core you're going to have to build around. And it's about getting the pieces around them, which we'll get into when we get to Vegas. But the St. Louis Blues Series was a coming-out party nationally, I believe, for Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes I think everyone knows just how good this Quinn Hughes guy is now. We've said before on this podcast, on this network, the Canucks have never had a defenseman like Quinn Hughes, a guy who has the potential, if everything goes right, to win multiple Norris trophies. Elias Patterson, a bona fide 1C, number one center, the likes of which the Canucks haven't really had who's this young. Remember, Henrik Sedin, bona fide one center. Art Ross winner, but a bit of a late bloomer, right? He was not this good at Elias Patterson's age. It took him a while. The Canucks have never had a stud young center like this in quite, quite some time. Anyways, we mentioned it off the top. Our guest this week, very happy to have him on. Been wanting to have him on for a while. We finally made it work with our schedules. It's none other than Rick Dollywall of TSN, 1040.
1: Just a minute. Don't hang up.
0: Yellow. hello. You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. So we now welcome on Power of the Towel for the Nexus Conic Network. I think this guy needs no introduction. He's been on the radio here in Vancouver, sports radio, for quite a while. You can hear him on TSN 1040. It's Rick Dollywall, Scoops. Rick, how's it going?
1: How you doing, Nick? Uh, thanks uh, for having me on. And uh, a pleasure to be here.
0: Not a problem. Uh, my very first question, we gotta get this right off the bat. What's your favorite type of crown? Because there are different yeah. flavors. I just want to know which one is the Rick Dollywall approved crown.
1: Yes, and hey, look, uh, just the original. Because I gotta tell you, the rest are all gimmicks. They're ways to make money. Uh, I'm the original guy. You know what? The guy that the guy that made crown, who invented crown, he never gets enough credit. Think about the millions of people every day he makes happy. Anyways. It's the original. I don't like the gimmicks. I don't try the gimmicks. It's just original and that's it.
0: Okay, just the old school original. You don't like the apple, you don't no, like the vanilla.
1: No, no, it ain't gonna do it. I just I, I won't even try it. People tell me to try the apple one. I won't even give it a try. It's You know what, Nick? It's gimmicks. It's just gimmicks on how to make money on the side, do, you know, blah blah blah. I'm telling you, the original is the best. Nothing beats it.
0: Okay, just the old school version. I appreciate it. And I also want to say, I remember listening to your radio show with Moj. I believe mowing the lawn is a workout. I talked to my dad. He is someone who is very into his lawn, and he he breaks a sweat when he's mowing the lawn. He's It's, it's a lot of resistance, right? It's pushing. It's pulling the thing. So it is a workout to him.
1: Well, first of all, Moj isn't the sharpest tool in the shed. Second of all, anytime you raise your heartbeat, your, your, your heart rate, is an exercise, and I tried to tell him this, like, I got a backyard, it's got a hill, so going up and down the hill, my heart rate's going to go up, so it's exercise, and Moj doesn't have a clue, you know he's not the sharpest tool in the shed.
0: Yeah, and I, that I the whole mowing the lawn isn't a workout take screams of someone who doesn't have a backyard, like, that's a lot yeah. of work.
1: He used to, he told me he used to cut the grass uh, many, many years ago, which is fine, but you know what? The moment you move your feet and the moment your heart rate goes up, to me, that's exercise. So if I go for a long walk, I don't even have to walk 100 miles an hour. I'm telling you, that is exercise. Moj just doesn't get it.
0: <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. No, I'll agree with you on that. And so we're recording this right after game one of the yeah. Vegas-Vancouver series. It, w- it was a tough game for the Vancouver Canucks. They lost 5 nothing, and they... After the second period, you could tell the game was over. They weren't. They weren't really in it. What? What the hell? Where the hell do the Canucks go from here in terms of how do you how do you slow down Vegas? Because St. Louis was a tough matchup in terms of the skill they had and the depth. But Vegas is a whole different animal with the team speed they seem to have, and it caused the Canucks a ton of problems in that first game.
1: Okay. So first of all, uh, Vegas is deep. Uh, they're fast. They're skilled. Uh, I don't think many people know this. Their fourth line center Chandler Stevenson, who was a great pickup from the Capitals. He led their team all forwards with ice time last night, 17 minutes, fourth line center. Okay. Led their team for all forwards. This team is stacked line one to line four. Uh, It's probably one of the best fourth lines in the national hockey league. Nick, it's just a deep team and they've given the Canucks nothing but problems since day one. Uh, I think Vegas is seven, two, and one against the Canucks in the three years of their existence. And Nick, just be thankful these games aren't in Vegas where the Canucks have massive amounts of problems. You know, and the Canucks don't have to play the first two games in Vegas. I mean, I know it's a weird setup in Edmonton and everything, but it's just a deep, fast, skilled team. Um, And here's the other one for you, Nick. They're not facing Bennington anymore. You know, they're not facing... uh, you know, they're not facing a team with goaltending issues anymore. They're facing a team that's got a good number one and the other guy's not bad either if he ever gets in. So it's just a different animal. It's it's, it's a tough, tough matchup. But this is with Travis Green. You're going to earn your money. You got to make the adjustments. You got to come back. I don't think you saw the best of the Canucks last night, but I think you'll see a better version next game.
0: Yeah, and I think everyone's in agreement. If that's the best version of the Canucks... In this series, they're going to get swept. They're going to get swept, no doubt. And what I come back to is the lack of mobility on the back end is really, really seems to harm the Canucks in that first game, right? Like, I love Alex Edler. He's probably arguably one of, if not the best Canucks defensemen ever. I mean, Quinn Hughes is probably going to, let's be real, take over that crown at some point. But Alex Edler, he's, he's 34, 35. He's at the back end of his career He's not the fleetest of foot anymore. And you saw that with the penalties he took. I think that's going to be a big problem for the Vancouver Canucks is that mobility. And it's not just Edler. Even guys, I would say, like Tanev and Stetcher, they're mobile defensemen, but they're not burners. And that's going to be a big problem in this series, right?
1: Well, the other thing for you is, and this gets into Tyler Myers, with Myers out, Edler's minutes are going up. and Look, Tyler Myers, uh, everyone was complaining about all his penalties, right? But he's still a top four D who chews up a lot of minutes. Hey, by the way, the update on Myers, uh, still a few days away. This is not good news for the Canucks. When you see a guy like Ryan Reeves out there uh, hitting and banging in the Vancouver, you know, dumping it in the four check, hitting. Hey, Ryan Reeves had 11 hits last night. Uh, this is where the Canucks missed that big body defenseman. And I tell you, I'm i not saying Tyler Myers would have made a massive difference last night, but Tyler Myers, I'm telling you, Nick uh, – And the Canucks can't afford another defenseman injury because if they get another uh, defenseman injury, Nick, buddy, you're going to have to put in you Levy, Chatfield, or or Rafferty, nothing against those guys. They're all good prospects. But right now at this time, at this stage of the playoffs, I don't want a Utica defenseman in there. I just don't. So the Canucks have to cross their fingers on two fronts. They got to stay healthy on the blue line and they got to hope Myers comes back, but I'm still hearing Myers, uh, boy, oh boy, it's still a few more days, and I'm not hearing Myers is going to be available until uh, later in the series.
0: Yeah, and that you brought up a good point with the defenseman having to play more minutes with Myers out, and that was a big concern with me when Myers went down. Not so much missing Tyler Myers, is guys like Edler and maybe a bit even a guy like Troy Stetcher, Tanev, playing a few more minutes than maybe they're used to, and I think you're seeing that in this series, but I want to get into Ryan Reeves. If you watched that broadcast last night, you would have thought Ryan Reeves was Wayne Gretzky in his prime, the way they were hyping him up. This guy, like, I understand the physical aspect, and he had, like, a bunch of hits, 10, 11, 12, however many hits he had. But only had one shot in goal, and he played 13 minutes. Like, Ryan Reeves, that my big issue with with Vegas last night was not so much Ryan Reeves. He is a presence, for sure. But it's also... The fact that they can roll the so line and then go out with the right and the Mark Stone line right after—that's the bigger yeah. issue to me more than Ryan Reeves.
1: Okay, here's the thing on Ryan Reeves. First of all, uh, Russel brought russell woke him up early and brought him into the game. I think that was a mistake. Second of all, the guy had 11 hits. Can you imagine a Canucks forward with 11 hits? He played 14 minutes. Here's the thing, Nick, nobody talked about last night. Ryan Reeves was in Vancouver a couple of years ago during the UFA free agent period. The Vancouver Canucks brought Ryan Reeves into town. They talked to him. There there was a potential fit there. He was almost a Canuck. Nobody ever talks about this, but one of the teams that Ryan Reeves, before he re-signed with Vegas, one of the teams that Ryan Reeves visited was Vancouver. You you know, that's like... When you visit a town, you're telling the agent and yourself, this is one of the places where I want to play. The Vancouver Canucks thought highly enough of Ryan Reeves to bring him into town during that UFA period. So, hey, look, would would you want Ryan Reeves in a Vancouver uniform? I would. Love the size. He can really skate. He dumps it in. He, he's not as scared, obviously, of the dangerous uh, areas of the ice. 11 hits last night. Nick, think about that. I I can't even tell you the last time a Canuck forward had 11 hits or any Canuck forward, any Canuck yeah. player had 11 I uh, hey, Just let him be. He's a fourth-line player. He's not a top-nine player. I thought there was too much attention. The TV guys like way overdid it on, on Reeves last night. Hey, Max Pacioretty had eight shots on goal. Yeah, that hey,
0: seems he, like a pretty big story.
1: That's a massive story. and. And, and Ryan Reeves, hey, every team would love to have him. He's a good fourth-line player. But, man, they they made him out to be like, uh, you know, so much. It was just too much attention uh, given to him. But you read uh, Peter DeBoer's uh, comments on Ryan Reeves last night. He was happy as hell. He said, I loved him. He played a great game, and he never takes penalties. Guess who took a 10-minute penalty? Russell. Look, give Reeves credit for what he's doing out there. But uh, the TV guys, they they, they can't uh, they can't talk about this guy like he's a, he's a top six winger.
0: Okay, so you brought up Ryan Reeds potentially signing in Vancouver back today. What was the breakdown there? Was it just contract term, or did you just just well, thought he would have a better shot at winning with Vegas?
1: Two things happen when these guys go to a city, uh, you know, and then they they go to the city, and you know, yeah you know what? Okay, so. Uh, Michael Furland visited Vancouver, too, to before he signed, right? Met with uh, Travis Green, Jim Benning, all the, the Canucks staff. A lot of these guys go to a city. They fall in love with the city after talking with the coach and GM. Some guys don't. I was told that uh, Ryan visited Vancouver, but I don't know how serious he was about signing with the Canucks. I heard all along that they really wanted to re-sign in Vegas. So, you know what? At the end of the day, it just didn't happen. I don't know. I'm trying to find out if the Canucks made him an offer, or if they uh, they just brought him into town. And, and sometimes you find out real quickly from the agent what the player wants money-wise. Maybe he didn't fit them cap-wise, money-wise, right? So uh, there was interest on both sides, Nick. I don't know why the deal didn't go through, but I'm going to tell you that uh, at one point, there was definitely interest from both sides.
0: All right. Scoops is already delivering on his nickname in this interview for power of the towel. Okay, another what?
1: Hey, it, it, the the news about Reeves being in Vancouver is not a scoop. Uh, I think uh, it was well documented when he had signed back in Vegas. I'm trying to hype but, you up
0: here, Rick. I'm trying to hype you no, up. No, no.
1: I and I'm going to tell you something else. I'm I'm not uh, I'm scoops. I, you know what? Everybody in the Vancouver media uh, does a good job. Nobody's better than anyone else. They all uh, try. They work hard. When you're in the Vancouver media, Nick. You're doing something right, and everyone brings something to the table. That that that's incorrect. I uh, I I no one in Vancouver is is in, in the media is better than anyone else. Everyone is equal. But I'm just telling you, there was it, it, that's not a scoop that uh, Ryan Reeves was in Vancouver. I think we all knew that. I'm just saying to you, isn't it funny that Ryan Reeves was such a, a factor, quote unquote, last night? And you know he was close to signing with the Canucks a couple of years ago, or or the interest was there to sign. him?
0: Yeah, very interesting. And another player that's injured for the Canucks I want to get into is Tyler Toffoli. When, is there any chance he comes back in this series? What's the, what's the situation with the walking boot?
1: Yeah, Tyler uh, Toffoli is uh, an interesting one. Um, I, I think that Tyler Toffoli is closer, way closer than uh, Tyler Myers. Uh, I, I heard that, you know, game three is a possibility. Uh uh, a possibility for Toffoli. Uh Yeah, he was in that walking boot. I wonder if it was a, a sprained, uh, fo- I wonder if it's a sprained ankle or a deep uh, bone bruise. It's one of those two. You, you you think that possibly it's one of those two. I, I don't have, nobody knows what the injury is. I'm just guessing. I'm pretty sure it's not a broken foot. Um, I'm just hearing he's getting closer. Game three is a possibility. Maybe game four uh, he is definitely getting closer uh, than Tyler Myers, but you know what? Here's the thing, Nick. So I'm going to guess that Tyler Toffoli is probably in three weeks hasn't been very mobile. I, I'm going to he hasn't skated a ton. Uh, I'm going to guess that even if he comes back, you're going to shelter his minutes. But he's a guy that would help on the power play. I don't think the Canucks have scored a power play goal in the last three games. I think they were zero for one last night. They didn't, they only had one opportunity, I think they're zero for one, but my biggest thing with, uh, him is this, you, you get him back. Uh, I don't know how game shape or how fast he's going to be, but man, he would help his hockey sense and his skill would help the power play. I don't think the Canucks have scored a power play goal in three games. It's kind of gone south the power play. It was a major reason why they beat uh, Minnesota and St. Louis. Uh, Tyler Toffoli, I'm, I'm 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 hearing Game Three's possibility. Let's let's wait and see if it happens. But um, obviously, the poor guy's been out. It's been it's been three weeks. Uh, if he can get back in this series, it would be a big boost for the Canucks.
0: Yeah, and I think he definitely would help out the second power play unit because we've all seen what the first power play unit can do against St. Louis. But that second power play unit with Roussel and you got Vertanen on there, they haven't really done much. So he would definitely help out the second power play unit for sure. Where does he slot but Nick, in?
1: But Nick, the first unit, I mean, they haven't scored in three games. Like yeah. it, it's But I have more play.
0: confidence that the first unit can get back to things rather than yeah. the second unit. The second unit hasn't shown me anything.
1: Okay. I and, and you know what? I'm just saying to you, Nick, if Tyler Toffoli does return soon, I think the biggest benefactor is going to be the power play. I think his skill and his hockey sense is missed on that power play right now.
0: Where do you think he slots into the lineup at even strength when he when he comes back? Does he uh, go straight up to the top line with Miller and Pedersen? Because I like the lotto line. I don't think you want to break that up too much.
1: Oh, no. And look, Erickson's in his spot right now. We know that. Um, yeah, you obviously put him in the top six and, and, and but you got to shelter his minutes because I'm telling you uh, again I don't know how great shape he's in and now you're facing essentially one of the fastest teams of the NHL and you really got to watch you know throw is not the the fastest guy in the world to begin with so you got I, I wonder if you shelter his moments hey speaking of Tufoli, uh, you know and Markstrom and Tanev, I think uh, I think the Canucks off season this year is going to be one of the most fascinating in years and years and years. It's going to be the big three. How do you resign them? And uh, I think Toffoli is a guy they really want to resign. Um, but, you know, when you bring up Toffoli and where does he fit and Erickson's in the top six, well, Erickson would come out. But but he also, don't forget, Travis Green loves Erickson killing penalties. You have to remember that. Uh, So I don't know who would come out, but I'm just telling you, I, 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 when I look at Tofoley, I, you know, 10 points, 10 games during the regular season, when he came over from the Kings, they gave up a second round pick and they gave up Tyler Madden. Uh, I'm just saying to you, uh, this is a player I think they want to sign long-term, but can they do it? That's going to be fascinating. Mm.
0: So one of the, you mentioned the big three that they're trying to resign. I think Jacob Markstrom is by far the number one priority. I think this playoffs has cemented his status as the number one priority for the Vancouver Canucks. And I I think at this point, in my opinion, honestly, they're going to try and trade draft picks and stuff to get rid of dead contracts or bad contracts, if you call them, to re-sign Jacob Markstrom. How much has his stock risen from these playoffs? And what are the Canucks looking at in terms of a potential contract? I'm thinking six, six and a half for a salary, but I don't know the term and if he wants a no-movement clause, no-trade, anything like that.
1: Well, let's be honest. Uh, he's the two time team MVP in the regular season. I would say to you, despite last night's performance, he's the team MVP in the playoffs. His stock is going up. People around the league are noticing. I, I, I don't think he's going to, you're going to get him under 6 million. I just don't see it. Uh, depending, I don't think what happens was Vegas is really going to affect his, uh, the potential salary he gets. Uh, Vegas is such a good hockey club, but anyways, uh, uh, you're not going to get him under six, Nick. I, I think that there was a time the Canucks were hoping and praying they could get him under six, but I don't think that that's going to happen. No. You look at, well, you look at Calgary. Oh my goodness, the goaltending. You look at Edmonton. Edmonton would have to move uh, some salaries to to make some room for Markstrom. Hey, there's going to be teams after him. His stock is going up. I don't think you're going to get him under six. But the Vancouver Canucks will try really hard, Nick, to try and get them. But you made a good point, and I keep saying, to sign Markstrom, they're going to have to get rid of some bad contracts. And But the other thing you have to remember about Markstrom is the future of Thatcher Demko. It, it, obviously, Markstrom has put himself in a position to get term and money. But if he gets term in Vancouver, Demko is going to sit there and go, okay, I don't want to be the backup for four or five years, right? And I'm sure Demko somewhere in his head thinks I could be a starter in the National Hockey League in the next year or two. It, there's so many. There's the Seattle expansion draft. There's so many things at play, Nick. It's just not his salary. It's Demko's future. It's the Seattle expansion draft. It's trade protection. It's the fit in Vancouver. You Travis Green and, and Jacob go back to Utica. They went to the Calder Cup finals together. Ian Clark's here. Jim Benning's here. The players love him. It's, it's, there's, it's just not about the money. It's about the fit, the future, Demko, Seattle. There's so many things at play when you come to uh, about the Markstrom contract.
0: So from your estimation, what percentage would you put on Jacob Markstrom re-signing with the Vancouver Canucks?
1: Yeah, I'm not even going to go there because I have to see. The big thing for me is going to be the NHL draft. I think uh, once the Canucks are done in the playoffs, either this round or next round or who knows how far they go, then I think you're going to see uh, Jim Benning trying to move some bad contracts. Uh, he's going to move uh, – he's going to have to move some some money around and he's going to have to get creative. And if he can do that, then the odds of resigning Markstrom get a whole lot better. If they don't, they get a lot tougher. It's, it's, it, it's impossible to say right now, Nick, until we find out how Jim can get creative and move a bad dealer, uh, move a bad contractor to. If you can do that, then the odds obviously increase.
0: And that's what worries me when you say Jim Benning and creative thinking. That never, that hasn't necessarily been his strong suit with the Vancouver Canucks during his tenure. Do you, see, do you see a guy like Brandon Sutter getting bought out? That's a guy who I look on cap and I'm like, that's a guy. He only has, whatever, two years left on his deal. That's a guy I think you can you can buy out pretty easily.
1: Yeah, yeah there's Ben Berchies there as well. Uh, you know that. Uh, you know, Sven Berchy's there as well as the potential. Uh, Louis Erickson. Everybody thinks the Canucks are going to park him in Utica. I don't think that's the case. Uh, I don't. Certainly, I'm trying to read the tea leaves. I don't. I don't think it's as simple as as, as that. But um, hey, look, uh, uh, Berchi, Sutter, and Louis are the three to me that I think everyone looks at and says, "Can you move one or two of those?" Uh, you know, one or two. And and Jim's got to be creative. Hey, look. When you look at Jim Benning, July 1st has been a disaster for him. It, but he was always dealing uh, from a position of the 29th ranked team on July 1st. And when you're 29th in the NHL on July 1st, you have to overpay on term and money. That's the only way the players will come to Vancouver. Um, if he was to go to July 1st now, it would be easier sell for him. Come play with Hughes and Pedersen. We're a team on the rise. We're a team on the rise. We were one of the top young teams in the NHL. Jim Benning on July 1st now is going to do a lot better than Jim Benning on July 1st when he was the 29th ranked team in the NHL. It's a big difference when you can sell hope through Pettersson and, and you can sell hope through Hughes. You don't have to overpay on July 1st. You don't have to overturn on July 1st because you got these two young studs and you can sell, Hey, come play with Quinn Hughes. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Well now you don't have to oversell it anymore. Um, and you got to look at the long term, uh, Nick uh, Hughes and huh, uh their contracts. I don't even want to start to imagine what those two are going to get. Like, and then don't here's the other one for you. Brock Besser's qualifying offer is at seven point five million. And here's the other one for you. Jake Fertan has got rights, As Troy stetcher has got Arbright's. uh Tyler Mott's got rights. So this is going to be one of the busiest off seasons ever for jim benny
0: you're stressing me out rick like i don't we are gonna have tons of time to like talk about the salary cap and we're in the middle of the playoffs and i could go down we could talk for hours about that stuff but i want to ask you something very specifically that happened over the weekend the alan walsh mark andre Fleury tweet have you ever seen anything like this with an agent tweeting out like it was a beautifully photoshopped image of Marc-Andre Fleury with a giant sword through his chest that says the boar on the on the actual sword. Have you seen anything like this? I know you deal with a lot of agents. This is why I'm asking.
1: Well, and, and I got a lot of agent reaction on the weekend. I can't tell you what the agent reaction was. <laughs> hey, look, uh, was it ideal? No. Um, but Alan Wallace, if you go back in his history, he is one of those agents that goes to the wall for his clients. He has done this before with the internet as well, defending a client. I don't agree with it. Uh, game one before Vancouver and, and it's, and you're kind of taken away from the team concept concept. Okay. Here's one for you, Nick. How, how about if Thatcher your agent did that and, and imagine the reaction of Vancouver. If Demko's agent put out a picture with a sword going through and Travis green on the sword, I mean, the city would flip upside down. Uh, it, look, was it ideal? No, um, uh, and he took the tweet down, and 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 Flurry knew. Come on, please. How would Flurry not know that his agent yeah. was going to do that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's pretty obvious that. Uh, but you know what? This is why. Uh, you know, it's a team game, and I, I didn't like the fact that Flurry and his agent made it about them. You're deep in the playoffs. You got obviously a potential Stanley Cup roster. Uh, and you're kind of saying, "Hey, we're on this island, and we're individuals." The rest of the team is over there. I didn't like that. But if you look back at Alan Walsh, uh, he's 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 an agent that goes balls to the walls for his client all the time. He does it. Yeah, it was just a couple of days ago he was ripping into uh, uh, the, the some of the fans in Montreal for uh, oh I can't remember what client he's got in Montreal. Drewen. He uses yeah, Drewen. That's what yeah. it was, Drouette. And he was and he was taking shots at some of the media guys. He defends his clients. I know a lot of agents who would love to do what Alan Walsh did, but they're not gonna do it. It just it it, it wasn't the optics didn't look good and we'll leave it at that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. A few more questions here. I wanna get to some of the Canucks top prospects. Pod Colson. What's going on with Pod Colson? What is uh, he's gonna stay in the KHL, I believe, for this season. What's going on? What's happening after that? How are the Canucks gonna get him over here?
1: Well, it's very simple. He's got one more year there and the Canucks will sign him. He'll come over. He's already stated he wants to play uh, in Vancouver. It's very simple. As soon as this uh, Russian uh, uh, season is over, I expect uh, Pod Colson and his agent to do a quick entry-level deal with the Canucks. Very simple. There's, uh, there's nothing there. Uh, his progress has been great. He, he will probably most likely, and Igor Laryanov told me this, he'll be the captain of the, uh, of the uh, junior team for the Russians this year. Um he's a very good prospect. He he's got he's kind of got that Tyler Mott mentality of always moving his feet. He's a buzzsaw. he's not he's got no fear um is he gonna transcend into a high scoring player in the NHL? I don't know, but he's got NHL written all over him boy. I uh, this is a very good pick and I think that uh, th- there's no issues with Pod Colson. he will sign after this year and come to Vancouver.
0: Okay, awesome and uh Hoglander. Is it a similar situation? Once the SHL season's done, he's going to come over?
1: Yeah, he's already signed, so there's no issues there. Uh, So here's what's going to happen. Say the Canucks training camp starts, and the Canucks want him. His GM, the team that he's playing for, has to give him permission to come back, which they they most likely will. It should not be an issue. But these are the two top nine forwards. uh, I think the Canucks have that look really good. Uh, for the future, Pod Colson and, and Hoglander. Very, very nice pieces. Uh, I think that uh, very, very skilled. Very, very uh, a good potential there with those, both those players. I see no issues with both those players uh, getting to Vancouver and getting in the Canucks lineup.
0: So with the potential uh, late start of the AHL season, is there any worry that these players are going to want to stay over overseas because of the uncertainty with the ahl or is that not a concern for the for the canucks
1: well first of all the 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 khl has already started so getting a roster spot over there is tough european roster spots are tough to get right now because they basically got their teams and and also you know there's an import rule over there you can only have certain of north american guys anyways um i'm just saying to you right now it's going to be tough to move I've talked to uh, agents, uh, guys in Utica, the Rathbones, uh, the the Collins, the Gajavichs, uh the Will Lockwoods. Uh, right now, the plan is for those guys not to go to Europe. Uh, but I'm going to say to you, uh, time is running up. Time is running out to sign in Europe because uh, those those teams and those rosters are, are pretty well set right now.
0: So, so you're pretty confident. Would you say that there's a AHL? season in some form, whether, cause I know the AHL, the big season, the big reason is it's a gate driven league. So they need to have some sort of revenue coming in that way. But I just don't know. I'm just don't know if there's going to be an AHL season.
1: I'm very concerned, uh, on two fronts. Uh, the development of the Canuck, uh, prospects. Uh, well, I'm, I'm concerned about uh, the Vancouver giants at uh, junior a. Yeah, These kids right now, all these kids would be at training camp. And, uh, you know, so how, let's say the BC hockey league, the Western hockey league and the American hockey league start in December, January, let's just say they do. What, what do these kids do in September, October, November? You know, I, I, how do you keep their development, uh, curve high? How do you keep them busy with games? Although the BC hockey league, I heard next month, they will have exhibition games. They'll be in sort of like a little bubble kind of thing. Uh, I'm worried about those Canucks young prospects in Utica. That if they just if they don't play any games in September, October, November, and then there's no future. Uh, there's no guarantee, Nick, that the American Hockey League is going to play this year. So I, I am I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little concerned about those guys.
0: Okay, just three more questions, and then I know you got to get going. Uh, I know you have beef with friend of the show Tanbeer, friend of the network Tanbeer. So here's what I'm going to offer to you right now. We have the beautiful Post Up Studios here in North Burnaby where I'm recording this podcast. I'm offering you a sit like they would call this in the Sopranos, a sit down. All right, I'm offering you you and Tanbeer to sit down in our studio. You go up both guaranteed safety and we can we can we can bury this beef. We can't have Rick Dollywall and Tanbeer hating each other and beefing online. The city can't have it.
1: Not going to happen. Not in a million years. I don't want to be anywhere near that guy. Next question.
0: <laughs> okay. Here's a little bit more serious question. You've been in the radio for a while. You've you've been around the business for quite a number of years. What I want to know is how has radio changed in the last, let's say, eight to 10 years with the rise of social media and podcasts? Maybe not like this one because we have, I like to say, zero clout, but just podcasts in general. How has social media and podcasts changed the radio game from, from your perspective?
1: Well, First of all, it's a great question. I'm really happy you asked that. Second of all, you don't have zero clout. You're, you're, what you're doing is good work and you're building your own uh, format, your platform. You're doing a really good job. So don't ever say you got zero. Uh, uh, don't ever say that again. What you're doing is you're building something special and something good. So don't ever say that again. It's a great question about radio and I go back to the days before the cell phone and how tough it was, Nick, for us to get a story. Like I would, if the Canucks made a trade, I would say the Canucks made a trade with Buffalo. Getting the reaction from the Buffalo player coming to Vancouver was so hard back then without cell phones and texting. And we didn't even have email at the time. It was Flintstones Radio, to say the league, back in the 90s. And then the cell phone came and changed everything. Now I can text somebody in in, in Russia. I just texted uh, Pod Colson's agent this morning in Russia. I can text uh, an agent in Switzerland or Sweden. It, it is so good, uh, Nick. The cell phone and the texting, those two things single-handed changed everything for me. Everything. Radio right now, Oh, I got, I got to talk about COVID because COVID's really hurt mainstream media, TV, radio, newspapers. I will say this to you out of newspapers, TV, and radios, the medium that's doing the best is radio because it's immediate. So if a story breaks at one o'clock, we'll have it at one, o- one o'clock. If a story breaks at two, we'll go live with it. Newspapers got to wait. Uh, TV's got to wait. We got it. If radio will never, radio will always be the best. Medium ever because of that we can go twenty four seven live we have that ability and that's why radio is the best format but I will tell you this the podcast social media has really changed that was a really good question it's now giving voices to guys like you who are doing a good job it's giving voices to look I remember the Canucks in the eighties horrible teams horrible the yeah. BC lines more popular than the Vancouver Canucks. It, but the, the, the fan, the fan didn't have a platform. It was all we did in the 80s was read the newspaper, uh, listen to the radio and watch TV. That's all we did. But social media has given a platform and a voice for the average fan that was not there before. Now, that's the great thing about social media. Here's the bad thing about social media. Negativity. Now, people talk about Canucks Twitter. I get comments from NHL people. I get comments from Toronto media. Canucks Twitter is the worst. You guys are so negative. You guys are the worst. But I will say this, Nick. Canucks media is negative. Canucks Twitter is negative because there's been no playoffs in the city before this for five years. Okay? Once this team regularly starts getting into the playoffs, you're going to see a swing you're going to see a mood change on Canuck Twitter. You're going to see more positivity. You, you really are. The, the negativity on Canucks Twitter is a byproduct of no playoffs for five years. You're in a red-hot Canadian market. This isn't Carolina. This isn't Columbus. This isn't Florida. This isn't L.A. where nobody cares. This is – the Canucks are a fabric of the society. It's a big thing. So it matters. When the Canucks start making the playoffs year after year after year – That stigma of Canucks Twitter being negative will go away. It'll go away. Mark my words. But your question again, social media is giving a platform from the average fan that the average fan never had before, never had before. And now they're interacting with media like they never had before. No average fan could interact with the media. They can now through DMs.
0: I asked this question to Blake Price when I had him on my show a couple of weeks ago. The radio wars, as they call it online, are on full swing. I'm going to let you talk your shit about the other guys, if you want.
1: Not and I, I'm going to pass on that question. I, I You know, and one of the things is, uh, Nick, when you look at uh, Canucks Twitter, and I know a lot of people comment about 10:46:50. I always believe in taking the high road. I'm really happy at where I am. 1040 is a great place with great people, and it's the uh, – It's the station that started the format. I was there on day one, Nick. um, I was the first guy 1040 hired 20 20 years ago, 19 years ago. I'm so happy to to, to be back there. Nick, in in life, we all make decisions that are good and bad. When I left uh, 1040, it was the worst decision I ever made. I left for more money. I tell my kids today, don't ever leave a job for more money because the grass ain't always greener on the other side. And go ask July 1st hockey players, you you go to a different city and are miserable. I was that guy. I went to another station, wasn't happy. I left, but I'm happy to be back at 1040. Uh, Great people uh, led by Trevor Martins and and a great staff. My good pals, uh, you know, Donnie the Moj, and Price, great. The Morning Guy's great. Uh, Everybody there uh, is just good people, just good people. And you know what? I'm just happy to be there. I'm not really tied up in the, in, the, in the radio wars. I don't like talking about it publicly. I take the high road. I just want to say that uh, you know what uh, I, I think 1040 is doing what they do best. They're providing good entertaining radio. Mm-hmm.
0: Are you surprised at the vitriol that's going on between like the the radio wars because I remember talking I talk, asked this to Blake Price as well. He said this is not this is not usual in any other market like the vitriol between two stations.
1: And, and Blake makes a good point. First of all, there's not two all-sports stations. The only place in Canada that's got two is Toronto. Um, and I don't really know their situation, how they do it in Toronto. But uh, he is correct. You know, uh, two uh, all-sports stations in a city where 90% of all content is, is surrounding one team. You know, it's the Canucks. They make the engine go. And they provide the fuel. Um, And I'm just telling you that Blake is right. It's Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, uh, Saskatchewan. They don't have two. There's two in Vancouver. But like I said, again, I think uh, if 1040 just keeps doing what they're doing, working hard and providing good content, they'll be fine. Mm.
0: Two more questions. I
1: promise. We'll be fine.
0: Two more questions. I promise. I got to ask you about your trip to Las Vegas with TSN 1040. I remember listening to it on the countdown show. Was it just, you know, you having a, too much of a good time the night before and then, you know, forgot the wake-up call or what what happened well,
1: there? I, it was Thursday night. We got into Vegas at uh, 9 o'clock and I was supposed to be on the air Friday morning at 6. And uh, I've never been to Vegas before. Oh. And I promised myself four drinks, nothing more, get ready, you got to get up early. There was a few young guys on that trip, the sponsors, I'll leave it at that. And these, I got caught with these guys and the next thing, you know, it's, it's, it's freaking past the four drink limit. Let's just put it this way. I, uh, I, I, uh, got intoxicated and I remember a BMAC, Barry McDonald, who's one of my favorite people, the, the Dean of Vancouver, just the, uh, just the best person in the history of Vancouver uh, media, just a great guy. And, and BMAC called me at six o'clock and he said, uh, Hey Dolly, I said, what? He said, you're on the air. I said, uh, I didn't even know where the fricking hell I was. And, 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 and he goes, you're on the air five minutes ago. So I went down there and, uh, and produced some pretty, pretty good radio uh, to say the least. But you know what? It was my first trip to Vegas. I got busted. I, uh, I just didn't know what the town was all about. I, I had a four-drink limit, which I absolutely obliterated. And uh, I got caught. I got caught.
0: So, you know, they say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But I guess if you're in radio, like, that can't, that can't really happen. Like, it's on the record now. And I do want to say I went on a 1040-sponsored trip to Lambo, Seahawks, Packers. And BMAC was on that trip. I can vouch. BMAC is a great guy. He was a lot of fun to have on that trip. Okay, this is the final question I promise. This is what we end our our interviews with. I have the book of questions right here. These yeah. are these are pretty serious questions. So I'm just yeah. going to scroll through and ask you a random question. Yeah. Okay, here's a here's a good hypothetical. For extraordinary wealth, would you be willing to have terrifying nightmares every night for a year? For wealth for extraordinary wealth, this is what it says. For extraordinary wealth, would you be willing to have terrifying nightmares every night for a year?
1: No. Really? No. I I, I don't I don't need that. I and you know what? If the if, if the nightmares were about Marjanovic, I definitely no. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well. Yeah. It doesn't specify what the nightmares would be, so I guess you could say. And sorry. No, I, I,
1: I I don't think so. I I think uh, you know what? One of the best. Nick, I'm gonna tell you something one of the most important things in life is a good night's sleep seven to eight hours it's it's absolutely one of the most wonderful things for your health people that don't sleep enough have have health issues so you know what for that reason alone for my health screw the nightmares I want my sleep I want better health and and the money ain't, and I just told you the story where I left one station for another station and I was miserable not worth it
0: yeah that it goes back to the saying you know don't fuck with happiness. If you're happy, just stick with it. I think that's what my dad has actually told me before.
1: Absolutely. And I, I, I cannot emphasize enough. I'll take the good sleep over the more money.
0: Okay. Just what, sorry, I just thought of a few topics you could discuss with Moj when you host his show because I know you do like to discuss these topics. Here's a few topics you can discuss with Moj next time you're on. Uh, is hot do- is a hot dog a sandwich? That's always a good one. That always gets nope. people going. Uh, is cereal soup?
1: Is cereal what?
0: Is cereal soup?
1: No, God no. Cereal is uh, soup can be I cold. I, I uh, soup inside a bowl. Uh, cereal is is not soup. It, it is uh, and going back, uh, it's been a staple of everyone's life, but it is not soup, not even close.
0: But if it's what are you basing that on? If it's a temperature, cereal uh, soup can be cold.
1: Yeah, I, I know that, but never in my life has anybody said to send me, cereal is soup. No way. Soup is soup and cereal is cereal. Move on.
0: Okay, here's the final one. Here's a good one you could discuss with Moji I think this one would gr- create great radio. If the sun is hot, how come space is cold?
1: How come space is cold?
0: Yeah, if the sun is hot, how come space is cold?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good one. Oh, okay, well, one.
0: so because, hey, if you think about it, the, the higher you go up, the closer you get to the sun, it gets colder. Yeah.
1: It gets colder, yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that work? Well, first of all, let me tell you a story about me and Moj. We barely got past grade 12, both of us. We both went to New West uh, secondary school. Shout out to
0: X so,
1: Yeah. Uh, hey, listen. Uh, I well, And when I was uh, going to school, the New West uh, Bruins had a really good team. Uh, it was Cliff Ronning. Uh the, the the Ewan brothers, Pokey Reddick, Brett Hughes, uh Reggie Leach's son, Damn. Jamie was playing for the Bruins. Uh hold on. Uh Mark Recky. Mark Recky was playing for uh, Mark Recce in Camelot in New S was short, but he was in my social studies class. But that uh, Craig Barubi was in that. That group, and so was a guy named Brian Noonan, who went on to be <clears throat> one of uh, Mike Keenan's uh, favorite players, uh, Brian Noonan. So I went, Moje and I went to New West during that time when the New West Bruins were playing at Queens Park uh, Arena. It was a good time,
0: awesome. And Rick, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Hopefully, we can have you on again uh, some other time. This has been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, uh, Nick, I, uh, thank you very much. Very happy. Uh, keep doing what you're doing uh, you know dream big work hard there is no uh, there is there is no substitute for hard work it is the simple biggest ingredient in getting where you want to get to
0: inspiring words from Rick Dollywall thank you very much <laughs> all
1: right thank you to Rick Dollywall of
0: TSN 1040 for hopping on the podcast a great conversation. I didn't expect anything else from Rick Dollywell, one of my favorite on-air personalities in the city. Okay, so we're recording this right after game one of the Golden Knights-Canucks series, and it has a bunch of people down. I think, as we said in the interview, if that's the best that Canucks can do against the Golden Knights, they're going to get swept. Let's let's be clear about that. If that's the best Canucks have, have in them, they're getting swept, and it's not going to be close. But I think this team has shown that is not their best effort in that they have, right? Again, I keep going back to after game four. I felt like the St. Louis Blues are going to win this series in six. It was not looking good, and the Canucks came back in game five, answered the bell, won game five, and it, that was it. That was really it. But the Vegas Golden Knights are a different animal than the St. Louis Blues. They are so much faster and the St. Louis Blues, and they have pretty good depth as well. We mentioned it in an interview. Ryan Reeves is not what scares me with the Vegas Golden Knights. What scares me with the Vegas Golden Knights is a guy like Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, Marchessault, and Riley. Those are the guys that scare me with the Vegas Golden Knights, and they had better goaltending. Let's be real. Jordan. They're not going to put Jordan Bennett in that net. They're going to have Robin Leonard in net, likely for this series. If Marc-Andre Fleury ever recovers from his mortal sword wound, maybe he gets the game in the back-to-back if the Canucks ever get to the game five and six. The Canucks need everything to go right to beat Vegas. I think that's clear from game one. If everything goes wrong, it's going to be results like that. So what, what does everything need to go right? What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it means two things. One, power play has to be better. They have to score on the opportunities or get good chances or do really well on the power play. They got to do well on penalty kill. Vegas scored a power play goal in game one. That can't happen. Jacob Markstrom needs to be game five, six Jacob Markstrom. The whole St. Louis Blues series, Jacob Markstrom, he needs to stand on his head. The bottom six can't get caved in. And yet everything just has to go right to beat Vegas. I think this team has what it takes to beat Vegas. if Everything goes right. But again, I think we've seen, if everything goes south, what can happen to the Vancouver Cocks against the Vegas Golden Knights. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Quinn Hughes, he looked human (laughs) in that game against Vegas. That's what this Vegas forecheck, this team speed can do. To a player like Quinn Hughes, they come in waves. And the Canucks have never historically been good against the Vegas Golden Knights in their brief existence. Now, I know, I've said on this podcast before, disregard season series and everything. And yeah, you can put that out the window based on how they looked in the round robin and how they looked against Chicago. Again, Chicago was a 12 C technically. But, Vegas looks like they're on the mission. They look like they're dialed in. This is not a St. Louis Blues, Blues team that you can question whether they want to be there or not. Vegas has come to play in this series. And the Canucks, if they don't make some adjustments, they might be in some trouble. But I'm confident they can. Look, remember, against St. Louis, they weren't really generating any any offense from the middle of the ice. They managed to fix that. Games 5 and 6. Credit to Travis Green, again above average NHL coach for sure. But the Canucks need to make some adjustments and they have to have goaltending special teams go their way to beat the Vegas Golden Knights. I think that's clear from our observations from game one. And hey, by this time next week, hopefully we have a few more games to talk about and it's not the post-mortem episode. Because if the Canucks... Don't fix a few things. It's looking like that a lot. Anyways, that's this week's episode of Power of the Towel for the Next Misconduct Network. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Subscribe to the network wherever you get podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Power of the Towel, at myself, at Nick Bondi, and of course follow us on Twitter as well at Next Misconduct. Follow the main account. Follow me as I live tweet these games. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks to Rick Dollywall for coming on the podcast. Much appreciated. And I just want to leave you with the message for the Vancouver Canucks. The rest of the series against the Vegas Golden Knights.
1: Just win, baby.
0: Just win, baby. That's all we ask. I don't care about the numbers. I don't care about if you're getting pummeled at five on five.
1: Just win, baby.
0: Just win, baby. Power of the towel and Nexus Conduct Network Just win, baby. Thank you for listening.
1: Just win, baby.